Publisher Podcast, Episode 71. Well, hey, hey, writers, publishers, editors, uh, anyone involved in the publishing sphere we're so and writing sphere, we're so happy to have you join our podcast, listen in. Today we're talking about children's books, and you know, this isn't a huge portion of our audience, but we actually have a pretty strong number, um, especially with my Purple Butterfly Press um company. We've got quite a few children's book authors. So I think it's important every once in a while to make sure that they get some information as well. I'm interviewing April Cox, who is not only a um, multiple time published children's book author, she has Little Labradoodle Publishing, and um, she is an expert at helping authors self-publish their books. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this interview if you are looking to self-publish a children's book. You may get some tidbits, even if you're just a children's book author doing um, other other routes to publishing. So as always, I would remind you to head on over to womeninpublishingsummit.com forward slash events to check out what is going on. If you're interested in being a speaker or sponsor for this year's conference, head on over to the main website, womeninpublishingsummit.com, and you can and find out information to um, follow the call for speakers or click on our sponsors tab to find out more information about sponsorship. On that note, uh, make sure you do check out our sponsors tab. We've got some great deals from all of our sponsors. Most of them go on throughout the, the year don't expire until the end of the year. Of course, I am recording now and publishing in July of 2022. The call for speakers does end on August 15th of 2022. So I'm sorry if you're listening to this after that point in time, but our sponsorship deals will probably still be live. So make sure you check those out. You know, there's so many expenses that come along with being an author, no matter what you're doing. Even if you are looking to traditionally publish, you're still probably going to need, not probably, you still need to have your book edited before you submit it to um, an agent in many cases. Um, check out you know all the deals that we have from editors and editing companies. You may need some help and support with your um, with your marketing. We've got marketing support sponsors. We've got publishers that are looking for new um, new clients. So head on over there and see what deals you might be able to, to get. Grow your email list with Book Funnel, just all kinds of great stuff over there. So that's womeninpublishingsummit.com. Check out the sponsors page. And those deals are up all year, every year. Um, we'll have new sponsors starting in October, but we'll always have deals for you. So all right, well, let's get into it and talk about self-publishing tips for children's book authors. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Because I've been where you've been. Welcome to another episode of the Publish Her Podcast. Today we are talking about self-publishing, but we're talking about self-publishing for children's book authors. Yay! Um, so if you are a children's book author, um, finally something that is dedicated largely to you. If you're not, we're going to be talking about if self-publishing is even right for you, which is probably a conversation that you want to hang on to and listen to, even if you're not doing a children's book, because the process 
is pretty much the same no matter what genre you are writing in. So I am discussing discussing this today with April Cox. April Cox is an author, founder of Little Labradoodle Publishing, and a mentor coach helping authors self-publish their books. Her 12-week author work group has helped more than a thousand people self-publish their books with a proven framework and all the tools, resources, and coaching needed to get it done. So let me ask you, do you help all authors or do you just primarily work with children's book authors? I would say 90% of the people that go through my program are children's book authors, but I have had a number of people say, would this be okay for me as well? And there are just some things that if, if you're not doing a children's book, you can skip like interior illustrations, right? Right. So right. The, like you said, the process is very similar um, and there's a great community. So it is very applicable to other genres as well. Awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here to talk about Thank this. You. I and congrats on an amazing summit, by the way. It was awesome. Thank you. I, it really went well. I was very happy with it. And we're already, I can't even believe it. This is going to be May when this podcast is aired. I can't even believe we're already starting to plan for the next one. It feels crazy how, how early we get that process and going. But um, thank you for your contribution to that as well. She did a great presentation on um, uh, Amazon A+, which is just another like expert level tool that authors can use to make their self-published books look even more professional out there on the, on the marketplace. So a large majority of our audience listening to this, I believe from what I've seen is mostly self-publishing or people considering self-publishing. So I think this will be a really great interview to kind of step back a little bit and talk about the basics, which is, is self-publishing even the right route? So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so when I was first starting as a, an aspiring author, I didn't even think about traditional publishing more than just my preliminary cursory research. Because to me, I was somebody that wanted full control over the situation. And I, I am a bit of a control freak, a bit of a geek. So I knew that I wanted to delve in and learn and create a business for myself, much more than just getting one book ticked off my bucket list. Mm -hmm. So for me, as I started uh, researching and talking to other people that were doing traditional publishing, and I heard about you know, the waiting, the, the amount of time between book launches as part of a, the, the traditional publishing, also just collections of shoeboxes full of rejection letters. And I thought, you know what, I don't even want to go down that path. I don't need anything to hamper my creativity or to continue to just stop me from going in the direction that I want to go. I just felt really strongly about my mission and vision, and I didn't want anything to get in the way of that. So for me, it was always self-publishing, but that's not for everybody. You really have to have the ability to dig in and learn something new. If you want to self-publish and you're not working with a hybrid publisher, then there's a lot of aspects of self-publishing. So it can be complex. If you're not good with technology or you don't have any desire to create and go through the multiple steps that it takes to publish a book, then self-publishing may not be the right thing for you. Maybe some hybrid solution or a traditional publishing route might be better. 
Yeah. And I mean, one of the nice things too, is that there's so many self-publishing assist companies out there now that if you decide that you do want that control, which to me, I think that's the, that's the key word that mm -hmm. I tell people, or I hear from people when they say why they went self-publishing is that word, the C word control, <laughs> um, those self-publishing assist companies can certainly help you navigate the more challenging elements as well. But um, one of the things I think is really interesting with children's books in particular is that a lot of people, um, when we have people reach out to us and say, hey, do you think this book would be a good fit for pitching traditionally or should I self-publish? And they've already had it illustrated. And I have to break the bad oh, news yeah. to them that if they've already had the book illustrated, there really is only, well, there's two routes. There's self-publishing or self-publishing assist. And then there's hybrid publishing. A lot of hybrid publishers will take a, a previously illustrated. I know Purple Butterfly Press takes books that are already illustrated, but um, on that caveat, like there's, there's, reasons why traditional publishers don't take um, illustrated books and because of all the things that have to go into making sure that it's formatted properly and laid out properly and the fonts are right and the style of illustration is right and and all of those different things so okay so once you've decided okay I want to do this I'm going to go through the route like what's the next um, logical step yeah, so what I would say is that just because you've decided, kind of building off of what you just said, just because you've decided that you want to self-publish versus traditional publishing doesn't mean that this is something that you're going to do by yourself. So, you know, getting, taking the time to research, certainly your niche is one of the first steps. And uh, above and beyond that, you want to be able to start building a team of people that's going to work with you, whether that's an assist or whether, you know, you're asking around and, and you know enough to know that you need, you're going to need a really good editor with some experience in your own niche. You're going to need um, someone to illustrate your book if you're doing a children's book. You're going to need someone to help with design. And if you are someone who is brand new and has never done any of this before and needs some handholding, then having a mentor or some or an, uh, a course like mine where you can jump into um, a group, a cohort that's all going through it at the same time and who brings people along, giving assignments along the way, recommending the right resources, that can really go a long way in helping you to do what you need to do and make it through all of those tough decisions and roadblock, avoid some of the pitfalls and roadblocks along the way. So joining a community is another really important aspect. I always say that um, a shared community of people all working through the same thing is really important. They can build off of one another, support each other through it. There are lots of great Facebook groups and courses. And I know you do the same thing, Alexa, on yours. Don't you have a cohort going through this at the same time? That's we do. typically what I do as well. Yeah. Ours isn't focused solely on self-publishing though. We work on more mm -hmm. of WIP school is more of a, um, an author growth. So it doesn't have to be oh, self-publishing, but a lot of people come with lots and lots of questions about self-publishing. And I was just thinking, as you were talking about this, like how, how it would be nice if they were all in a structured process going along the way together. That sounds like a really good, um, way to manage that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> 
it, it does help because um, a lot of times people will try to learn themselves and they dig into researching, they hang out in some of the Facebook groups, and what they find is that there's so much to it, and there's a, a lot of opinions out there and a lot of advice, and some that of it differs. <laughs> Right. There's a lot of conflicting advice. You don't know who to trust. You don't know where to go. So I package that up into a program and put these cohorts together and they're all publishing a book. They're all in order to get into the program, they need to have their manuscript ready. It doesn't have to be edited, but it has to be written. And then yeah. we go through the editing process um, together. We go through uh, the various different things about, and I teach them, what is it about, uh, what should you look for with an illustrator? Um, I also share my contract, which is a work for hire contract, and I talk about the different parts of the contract, why I, I recommend work for hire, because I like to hold on to the rights for those illustrations. I don't want to share royalties or revenue, and I also don't want to be, be bogged down with all of the activity that comes from tallying up numbers and, and sharing profitability. And yeah. you've got so much already to worry about as a self-published author in managing your business that it, I just try to avoid that altogether. So I provide not only like step-by-step step, every week, they've got assignments, they've got videos to watch, but we do live meetings. And we also, um, they have the, the specific milestones that they need to reach as we go through if they want to stay on track and get the book published within that 90 day period. That sounds great. Um, so what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see of authors, um, maybe who come to you, let's think probably you've had some people who came through your course after they've already tried and made some mistakes yes. or just flailing their arms saying, what do I do now? Yeah, some of the biggest mistakes have been going with um, predatory publishers, spending a ton of money um, on a very low quality book they don't yes. have any control over. And I've had to help you know, probably half a dozen authors unravel a really bad situation where they've spent 20,000, 25,000 or more on a book. The quality was not good. And they the contract they signed basically signed away the rights for their book. So we had to get the rights back and they had to pay even more money to do that. No. It was just a mess, a really big mess. So you, you know, really research the partners and the people that you're going to work with. Some of those um, folks out there are really predatory and the agreements that you're assigning, you don't know, or that you're signing, you don't know what you don't know. And I always recommend going to the Alliance of Independent Authors. They are a watchdog site. They have great partners there. Um, take a look and see if, you know, the one that you're considering maybe is flagged by them really do some research, ask other authors in some of the author uh, communities to see who has used that partner in the past and how was their experience? Because that can be what a nightmare, what a lot. And, and the sad part is I had to help them basically start all over. We yes. took the same story, yes. re-illustrate it. Uh, the, the layout was awful. It looked like it was published by somebody in high school doing it all themselves. You know, and it just was terrible. I would have never in a million years guessed that they spent that kind of money on on it. Um, I've, had some, I've heard many, many, many similar nightmare stories. And it's it's unfortunate because that puts a bad mark on many companies 
like mine, smaller hybrid presses who aren't, uh, you know, doing that kind of uh, vampire uh, work on people, you know, but um, another resource I'd love to throw out is the IBPA um, a checklist yeah. for hybrid publishers, because mm-hmm. even if your uh, company that you're working with doesn't consider themselves a hybrid publisher, there's some great information in that checklist that will help you ask the right kind of questions. And just as a really big red flag, if anyone ever tells you you have to make a decision by tomorrow and they need thousands of dollars by that decision time, just walk away. Just yeah. walk away right then and there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some uh, Sometimes I get, uh, I also do uh, free mentoring with folks. I, I On my website, I offer a 30-minute consult. So a lot of times they'll just join and this is my way of giving back to the author community. And many times people just sign up for that 30 minute consult and they'll say, my book's not selling. And, you know, do you have any idea? And I'll pull up the listing and the cover's not it's so big. You know, when we're talking about mistakes, uh, a bad cover or a bad layout that doesn't look professional um, is not going to gonna sell. I mean, no matter what you do or uh, one person was recently just asking, can you can you run some ads for me? My ads aren't working. And I had to look and back them up and say, it's not your ads. It's the quality of the book. You have to redesign that cover, the interior layout. While your illustrations are beautiful, the cover and the interior layout is doing you no good at all. So we were able to start the process of helping to rescue that book. And it ended up coming out absolutely gorgeous. In the end, was able to start picking up and selling. But a lot of times people don't know why the book isn't selling. And so having somebody that can do an assessment and look at it and be able to say, here's what I think you need to do, because it could be the cover, it could be so have, you know, definitely have a professional editor do not skimp on cover design. And if you are not an expert at laying out your interior of your book, don't uh, do it. <laughs> don't do it. and a lot of times one, one big trend I've seen is, um, oh, I don't have to pay for a designer because my illustrator is going to lay out the book for me. Well, illustration skills and design skills are two very different things. A designer really knows um, typography and layout, and they know how to format those files. So you will have error-free files. And boy, when people go, you know, try to take shortcuts and they try to skip getting that a really good solid designer to, to format their book, we end up with going back and forth with months of delays sometimes just because they're, they're digging in their heels saying, no, my illustrator can do it. And it doesn't come out as good. Just oh my gosh, you guys, uh, just uh, like a cautionary tale here, like I just lived this. I've lived it several times, but I was just working with a client and same thing. Like I kept telling him, let's get the stuff from the illustrator, our formatter, we'll put it together. No, my illustrator has it. He's got it. He's got it. It was a nightmare and it took us so much longer to get the book finished because his his layout his illustrator thought that he knew what he was doing and there was you know it was anyway so yes I piggyback that and agree 100% and the other thing I wanted to say is you know get a little bit of a thicker skin and I know it's hard it's hard to hear someone critique especially if you think you have an amazing cover and I know this from my own very first book like I thought it was a great cover I'd hired a quote unquote professional book designer what I realized later on was that I hired a graphic designer that knew how to use a template to make a book cover 
but didn't really know book cover design. And some of those things, unfortunately, you just learn by trial and error. But that's why programs like April's and mine and the Women in Publishing Summit are so important because you get access to people who actually know these things and can answer the questions and, and let you know. But anyway, um, it wasn't until I hired a writing coach, um, Brooke Warner, way back in the day when she was still one-on-one -on -one writing, coaching, and helping people. And she she looked at it and she was like, is this your final cover? And I, I was like, oh, I can do it. And I was like, um, yeah. And she was like, yeah, if you were publishing with me, this would be totally different. And it hurt. It hurt because of the subject matter. It hurt because I had really chosen that image with, you know, but she was right. And the sales yeah. of my book are so much better with a new cover. <laughs> I had a similar situation with an author that came to me with a completed cover and he had paid $500 for the cover. And it was terrible. It was just terrible. So we had to go back and he had to pay another yeah. few hundred dollars to have my designer work through it and create a better cover for him. So yeah, it's hard to know. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily uh, need to be that the cover itself is not good because I also dealt with another situation recently where the cover looked really beautiful but it was confusing. It was the book that they had just released was a devotional yes. and it looked like a fiction story, not a yes. devotional cover. Yes. So if there's confusion and you're having to pay for ads, people might click on the cover, looking at it, they love it. They want to see more about it. Then they hear, oh, it's a devotional. That's not what they were looking for. So they click off, but you're paying for all those clicks. And yes. it's the fact that it's confusing the audience. It's not designed for the specific type of book. I had the same thing happen with an individual who has a chapter book, a middle grade chapter book. But if you look at the cover design, it looks like a picture book. So yeah. there's confusion between, you know, people that click on the cover are expecting a picture book and they see a chapter book and people that are looking for chapter books probably aren't going to click on that cover. It just, it's not typical of what you might see which you just explained with all of this stuff, but I'm just going to summarize it into one big mis mistake while we're talking about common mistakes. And that is not knowing and understanding your genre, which you mentioned at the very beginning and not spending the time. I think for me, for authors who are self-publishing, one of the best investments of their time is yeah. to spend hours in a bookstore, in a library, on Amazon, wherever, just pouring through the books that are there for sale and making sure their book looks like that. I just went to the Bologna Book Fair in Italy, which was an amazing experience, but I went there more as an educational experience to really see what's happening in the children's book world right now and to make sure that the books that we're putting out are competitive. And let me tell you, like, the quality of books, the structure of books, the, you know, what's out there, like you have to be, you have to know what's selling right now and what's coming out, or you can't, you can't just have this idea and think it's going to work really well without knowing for sure that it's going to work really well. Yeah. And, and part of that research has to include how popular is that topic that you're working on? Have you niched down so low that yeah. there's so little demand for it that it's going to take you forever to make that money back. Yeah, that's a great that's, that's a really difficult situation. And I just had that conversation earlier this morning with an author who was pitching a few different ideas that she had for books. And one of them was really niche down for a child who was dealing with 
rheumatoid or arthritis. And I said, well, we really, before you decide to go through and write on this topic, just do, let's do some research and see what kind of searches are we having for those keywords? Is it popular enough? What are the, the best-selling books with that topic making so that you understand if, if they're not making much at all and you're okay because this is a passion project, but just go in with eyes wide open so that you are not expecting thousands of dollars a month in income and, and yeah. falling flat and feeling like, hey, I should have known this going in. That is so true. And if you have a project like that, you know, one of the other things is obviously if her child is dealing with rheumatoid arthritis, there are other children. So it would almost be rather than trying to do the Amazon and bookstore route, it would almost be better going out and connecting with um, specialists who work with children with rheumatoid arthritis and seeing you could even probably get some funding from them, possibly, maybe, I don't know, there's lots of options, but it's a totally different marketing plan altogether when you when you know what you're facing, but a lot of times people get through the whole publishing process yeah. before they ever bother right. to look and see what kind of demand there is for that title. What are, what are the best sellers in the niche? You know, yeah. what kind of keywords, how do they, how do their covers look compared to yours? Yeah. What size um, books are common in that genre? Go, you know, go to a bookstore, take mm-hmm. a look and handle some, make sure that whatever decisions you're making, you're not painting yourself into a corner, especially yeah. with book size, because um, I've had some authors who uh, just love the, the big um, landscape mm-hmm. picture books. Mm-hmm. And, they, and she'll say, oh, it goes across two laps when you open it. That's wonderful. And she did a lot of bulk printing and sold some from events and on her website. But when she got to the point where she's like, okay, um, I want to retire. I want to go to print on demand. Those that size was not available in any of the print on demand solutions. And so now she and had to go and reformat yeah. the whole book. Yeah. To reformat the whole book. Plus, yes, a lot of expense when it comes to to having to print hardcovers and, and having to sell them and fulfill them all yourself. There's a lot that goes into that. So um, just remember that just handling the books isn't enough. Do a little research about what sizes are available for print on demand. Even if you don't want to go there now, you will at some point in the future may want to. And if you paint yourself in a corner, that can be an issue. And, and just know also like a, a great resource for the self-publishing authors who are looking at the trim sizes is definitely to go to Ingram Spark. If you're doing hardcover mm-hmm. books, they have a whole guidelines on their trim size available. Um, because you do have to be careful when you're in bookstores looking at trim sizes because printers who go through offset printers can do some sizes. So to your point, they can do some sizes that aren't available through print on demand. So making sure if you find a size that you love that you then go over to Ingram Spark and look at their trim size guide and make sure that that matches and get whatever's closest to it. Yeah. I, my recommendation to authors is to go and make sure it's available both on Amazon and Ingram Spark, that that size is available in both because then you're covered for the distribution and you're also covered on yes. Amazon as well. Yeah. I know Amazon started doing hardcover books. We, we don't do hardcover books ever through Amazon, but um, do they, they're not, are they doing children's books now in, in hardcover? You have to have a minimum of 75 pages. So for some of the middle grade yeah. chapter books, that would be okay. Um, And for, for those that are doing nonfiction or novels, you know, you do have that option. Yeah. Okay, great. 
Um, oh my goodness. Let's see. We've been going at these mistakes for a little while. So I think we've covered the major ones there. What about getting back? Let's talk about some positive things. Let's talk about what, what, what is possible when you self-publish the right way. Yeah. So I think I, I've seen authors that come to me and I always start at the beginning with, you know, what are your goals for mm -hmm. some people? It's about, a legacy project, right? They want they want to cross something off their list or they want to leave something behind to either honor somebody in their family and maybe write a, a, something for them or to them. Uh, they want to do something for their kids. And so it's kind of a one and done. And if that's that's what you want to do, you can self-publish and get it through that and, and check that off your list. It's wonderful. I had one 85-year-old woman that said, I just want to publish a book before I die. I've had it sitting here for 20 years. I want that. It's a bucket list item. I just want it checked off. And she said, I can't do, I'm not good at technology. I'm not good at anything, but I just want to get this done. And it's funny. I've been working with her for the past two years. She has uh, is now working on publishing her second book. She's running her own Amazon ads. She's doing, she's in and out of Amazon and Ingram Spark constantly. This woman amazes me, right? But she is engaging herself in something that is brand new and the learning has engaged her mind and, and she's building a business for herself in her retirement years. Um, others have come to me and say, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I want to supplement my husband's income and I'd like to make $1,000 a month. So we have, when you have goals, you mm -hmm. can choose the, the strategy that is more aligned with your goals. And, you know, there are authors out there that are able to make a really good living and they're able to continue writing and growing a business and have left their jobs, myself included, because we are loving what we're doing. If you are have an entrepreneurial spirit and you want to create something, but you need that income to be able to back you up. Many people started out part-time, they grow and they write and they grow. And then when the income is large enough, they step away from their teaching role or their day job. For me, it was an IT um, project management role. And I was very glad to not ever go back to a cubicle. And I don't ever want to go back to a cubicle again. It can provide you a lot of independence. It can also be frustrating. You're going to do lots of problem solving. You are going to build a network of people that, that will, you know, be from all over the world. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love. Uh, but for me, it also, you know, getting into coaching and doing other things to help others has connected me with people in a way that I had never expected. And especially through the uh, pandemic, I had so many people publishing books and sitting across from them on a Zoom meeting from another country or right here in the U.S., and being there as they're clicking publish for the first time and the tears are flowing, like there's nothing like that to be able to make a dream come true for someone else. So for me, that is just the everything. Um, and I love it. I, I My tears are flowing right along with theirs. That's wonderful. I, I, I feel the same way with you. Like it's such a wonderful, um, it's such a wonderful feeling to be involved in some for some of them lifetime dreams coming true or just yes I love it okay well um you've provided some really excellent tips and guidance and I would just say if anybody at this point is like oh I really need to get um it 
the step-by-step process, does your course enroll, you said you do cohorts. So um, if they go to your website, can they sign up to get information for the next one or how does that work? Yeah, the next 12 week cohort, we are um, enrolling now for a June start. So it's a June, uh, around mid-June, I I have to get the exact date. I think it's the Tuesday, the the second week, Um, but that will be, is enrolling now. And this is a good time because you're publishing this just before that new session begins. So if you're interested in doing that, you can go to www.selfpubmadesimple.com and you'll find information there with a pop-up and with the, um, the, education section of the website you can also sign up for just a free um, consult right through my website and just chat with me to see if that's right for you or if you prefer a more one-on-one mentoring through things a lot of people do they want they need extra hand holding and they want to do it more one-on-one instead of group that's available as well or if you just have something you want an opinion on I'm here to, you know, I'm giving back to the author community by doing those consults and um, I love connecting. So feel free to go to the website. Again, that's www.selfpubmadesimple.com and also check out my YouTube channel. It is youtube.com slash self-publishing made simple. And the YouTube channel is self-publishing made simple with April Cox. There's a ton of free education and information there. And, um, you know, it started with my courses and with teaching people. And I had so many people asking the same questions over and over that I decided to start releasing videos and that turned into a huge YouTube channel. So um, I invite you to go ahead and check that out as well. And we'll put all of these links in the notes. So you'll be able to head right over and connect with that that way. But thank you. This was very informative. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. And I look forward to continuing to collaborate through the conference and other places and um, appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.